This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to The Lake Show with James Rabin on Teachers Talk Radio. Tonight, I'm joined by my guest, Matthew Moore, as we discuss the role of stepping into leadership. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to The Lake Show with me, your host, James Rabban, on Teachers Talk Radio. Now, tonight, we're going to dive into the topic of leadership from a novice's perspective. Now, in education, we're all leaders of the classroom, yet when we are taking a step towards leadership roles within school, these face their own challenges, and we're going to explore these tonight. In today's episode, we're diving deep into that transformational journey, really in the realm of primary education, but a lot of what we will discuss will fit across the whole sector. Now, joining us is Matthew Moore, who has recently transitioned from being a dedicated computing teacher to taking on the helm of a key stage two lead. I've had the distinct pleasure of engaging and talking to Matthew over the years, and our conversation's always been insightful um, and enlightening as well. Now, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, Adam cannot make it tonight, but rest assured, I'll get him on again in a few months' time. So as we embark on this enlightening conversation tonight, we aim to uncover the nuances, challenges, rewards of stepping into leadership roles in education. So whether you're an educator, an inspiring leader, or someone passionate about the world of learning, you're in for a treat. So tune in and let's navigate this intricate pathway of education leadership together. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Hello and welcome, Mas. You, how are you this evening? Hello, hello. It's dark. It's the first one I've done in the dark. All the others have been that twilight sun, and now definitely hit autumn, haven't we? I feel, um, I feel proper Friday tired today. Not just normal tired. Friday tired. That is it. In teaching, there's definitely such a thing as Friday tired. I don't know if it hits any other career, but yeah, definitely teaching is something else, isn't there? So uh, thank you for coming on at the moment. And in the introduction, I introduced you as someone who has been a computing lead and now stepping into the helm of key stage two leadership. But before we get started, can you introduce yourself and then go through that journey um, to where you currently are? 
Yeah, no worries. Um, so I am Matt, uh, Matt Moore. Um, I've been a teacher now for nearly 13, 14 years, I think. Um, started off weirdly teaching uh, English to year eight, which was an experience. Year seven and eight English at a middle school. Um, ended up transitioning into the world of ICT and then computing as it changed. Um, spent 10 years as a computing specialist uh, in primary, which was incredible, really. Um, absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, but then sort of as I've moved and transitioned in my career, sort of moving towards leadership, um, I've sort of stepped back into the classroom this year, um, gone back into a year five uh, classroom along with uh, leading Key Stage 2, uh, which is an interesting challenge after 10 years of, of just having to concentrate on the computing curriculum. Now I have to try and remember everything else. You know, I was going to say, how have you found that from teaching predominantly one subject to teaching the whole realm of the primary curriculum? Um, well, for, to be fair, for the last sort of two, two and a half years, um, I was uh, I worked on the curriculum team uh, at the school I was working at. So I was involved with lots of the, the other areas of the curriculum all the time. Um, but getting back into maths and English, um, I've had to screw my head on and uh, go back to hopefully that the muscle memory will kick in and um and i'll be fine um it's been difficult um i've had lots of support from the school the school are sort of they, they know me well um they're well aware of of what i've been doing for 10 years so um they've been really supportive and really helpful which has been really good and it's that culture isn't it really of being able to learn and support one another i think it's going to be really important and it a theme that will run through this conversation as we go throughout. Um, one of the questions now is going to go. One of the questions I always ask, and I'm really interested, especially because I didn't know that about you. They started in year eight. Um, what's your purpose? What inspired you then to work in education? Um, great question. Um, I think it's changed over the last few years, actually. Um, I work in inner city Bradford um, it's a really challenging environment to work in um, when I sort of started teaching the the idea of teaching was it was about me having a, a solid job that I absolutely enjoyed really good job um, really clear career path um, I knew what I wanted to do I had a purpose um, after working in Bradford it sort of changed and, and my purpose now feels more about sort of social mobility um and developing the, the children that we work with as, as much as possible, really. Um, it's a really challenging place to work, and I, I absolutely love it and won't change it for the world. Um, but it's it's definitely changed my outlook on education. Excellent. Now, this, I had one of these shows a few months ago, and we talked about uh, for new head teachers stepping into that role. And one of the conversations I've had recently over the last few months is stepping into leadership roles as teachers into SLT or heads of um, key stage or any of those kind of middle leader roles and senior leader roles, it's always quite a challenge. So how have you found that transition, which can be both exciting and daunting? Um, and what do you think are some of the things that you have found intriguing and different to what you originally thought that leadership role would entail 
yeah. Um, I think I've been quite lucky in that I've gone into um, leadership at a, a new school as opposed to a school that I've worked at for a long time. Um, having those working relationships that change from, I, I won't say co-worker, but you know, co-worker to, to, to leader, like, uh, it's quite a difficult change sometimes. Um, so I found it really useful going into a new school. It's been a lot easier. Um, but the thing I found trickiest, I think, for, for myself in my own personal experience has been getting to grips with classroom teaching alongside the leadership role, having both together, um, having such a big, um, a big change for me personally and having the leadership role on the side has been a really tricky, tricky sort of juggling act really. And so go into that new school then, and I completely agree. I've, I've lucky in my role that I can see different schools and I've worked across different schools as well. And you can start to have those different relationships. And I think that is actually an interesting way. Have you found problems in the past or have you found it difficult that when you're then, let's say, co-workers, you're working with those teachers, but then you're also getting the pressure from the headship because that's the person who's directing the vision, the strategic, and then the disconnect sometimes, balancing and being the middleman of, of a better phrase between those two can be quite difficult to balance what are your thoughts um i actually find that that middleman role quite quite useful actually um for the last couple of years well, like i said before while i was working on the curriculum team um i wasn't actually part of slt but i was working with slt quite a lot um and what that gave me was um uh, access to that that bigger picture that that wider overview of the school the the, the vision that we had and the the, the decision making um the, the reasoning behind some of the decision making sorry um without the the stresses and the worries and the um the pressures of, of leadership at that time and actually i really enjoyed that middle leader role um as, as being that middleman between um teachers in the classroom and slt i felt i could could work with both and have those really interesting discussions as to what do the teachers need and and what what do they need to be able to work best and then have the same conversations with slt but but based around well this is our long-term vision for the future of the school this is our long-term vision for the future of the curriculum um this is what we need to do to get there um and blending those conversations together to get the best out of both worlds was yeah i really enjoyed it actually it's something that i um i found really useful and really really enjoyable to be a part of so that kind of perspective from the classroom teacher itself and making sure we don't forget or leaders don't forget actually what it really like is like in the classroom that you are juggling 100%. the the teaching the management of that class itself as well as all of that direction from above and understanding that from a leader's point of view and vice versa is really important i think sometimes we can be in our silos in education especially in a primary school one elementary primary school we think great brilliant there's actually there's there's seven classes but you can feel quite lonely in that and within a day you may even not talk to that many adults unless it's a lunchtime and even then, sometimes you're prepping for the afternoon sessions as well. So I think 
from my perspective, there's often quite a lot of disconnect if you're not careful in that regard. Yeah, I can I can totally agree with that. Um, one of my sort of um, methods for going into this into this new school and this new role, um, part of what I've tried to do is to step up that communication, and I, I can see the how vital that is. Um, I've often said before um, previously. Um, Sometimes I feel that um, in SLT meetings, um, information sort of tends to stay in SLT meetings because you've sort of had that conversation sometimes and you just sort of assume everyone can reach your mind sometimes. Um, so one of the big things that I've started to do is just constantly just email blast my teachers with a weekly update after SLT. Um, I try to make myself seen a lot around the school, um, try to walk up and down, um, get into all the classrooms. Uh, not necessarily like the learning walk style, not nothing like that. Just, just, just make myself seen and chat to the kids, chat to the teachers, make sure everyone's around. Um, my big thing is I try and do uh, my weekly walk, which is where I'll get around during my PPA time and just chat to the kids and see what work they're doing. Um, that's been really good and really useful um, as they see me in school, but also I am building that relationship up with the the teachers that I work with. They know I'm here they know i'm here to chat to um yeah it's been that that's been really useful actually i love that idea of a weekly walk through your ppa just just being that person there and i think establishing yourself especially as you're new in that role um is is almost going above and beyond what when you get into the groove of it almost is setting that expectation this is how i work and this is where it is as well I worry that, like, I, I and from my experience as a, as a classroom teacher, sort of that that feeling of someone's in my classroom, um, that pressure, uh, they must be here to look at my books, they must be here to to check my working wall is is, is perfect. They must be here to to observe my teaching. And actually, no, I'm just I'm just there just to just to see how everyone's getting on. And you know, are you enjoying your teaching? Are the kids enjoying the lessons? Um, I would just want to chat to them. Really, I want to get to know them. Um, and just being, you know, a, a positive influence, a positive influence in the classroom rather than just those high pressure or negative influences. Excellent. So I want to think, go back to your, before you did this role, so step back into the summer, which seems an age ago. Um, it does. It just, like even day one, doesn't it, in primary schools um, and any school, like that inset day, you go in, and you think, right, where was summer? Um, but, oh yeah. What do you think are some of those misconceptions that you had as a classroom teacher that a leader did? So for example, you may be thinking the classic, they just sit in their room all day or they're drinking cups of tea all day or they just have meeting after meeting and nothing is actionable and we don't know what's happening and decisions are made for us what are some of those misconceptions you had as a teacher and now you're seeing it from the other side actually yeah i can see why teachers think that yeah i think i think miscommunication actually is a big thing um i think sometimes the the messages that we have in slt um don't get translated through to the class teachers um very well i think they can get confused with the reasoning or, or not see the reasoning at all and then sometimes 
key decisions are seen in a neg- negative light because we've not communicated it well enough. Um, so that one for me really is, is and I've struggled with it. I've delivered staff meetings where I wanted to get across um, an idea, a vision, something that I wanted to implement. And actually I didn't do it in the best way. Um, the way that I spoke, the way I delivered it wasn't great. And immediately I could see that the the staff weren't as as on board and, and, and ready to take it on as, as I'd hoped. And actually, in reflection, it's, it's down to my delivery. So that's something that I've tried to think about in SLT as I go forward in leadership is how am I communicating everything with the teachers that I, that I do work with? Because if I'm not communicating it effectively, then it, it, it's, it's either not going to work or even worse, or it, it can be seen in a negative way and then and, um, sort of foster negative relationships between us also. Yeah, communication, communication, hundred percent. Going to be devil's advocate. Is there too much? Can there be too much communication? Hundred, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, I tend to, if I am communicating via email or whatever, whatever it will be. Um, this sounds really geeky, but I will, I'll write what I need to write, but I'll go through and I'll, I'll make sure the vital key information is is in bold so you can just skim read my emails and you'll get there um it's a weekly email blast um so it's nothing too much i don't expect to reply um i just think teachers want to know what's going on and why um i think we miss the why sometimes um and i think that's i think that's really important for me to get across as to this is the reason we're doing it this is why i think it's important that we do this um so I do think that communication is needed. Yeah, I was in a meeting earlier today um, with someone who works in advertising and marketing. And they were talking about making sure you have your three, three is quite a nice number, three key things that you're going to do, um, explain the why, the statistics behind it. But those three things are the bread and butter. So it could be parts of your SDP, it can't could be anything you're doing or a new initiative or something else but you keep coming back to those three things all the time and whether the problems that occur like which one of these three things will do it and i think there is that element of over communication which can happen if there are too many different messages that are conflicting but if you go back to communicating and it's consistent about the themes and topics and what you're going to do um about those three things that will be embedded. Life as a teacher is hard enough as it is. And in primary school, when you're trying to teach and balance the whole depth uh, and breadth of the curriculum, as well as trying to lead your class and maybe a subject leader as well, actually just having the same messages, it's very easy to miss things or not get the right end of the stick first time when you skim over an email or something. So yeah, communicating, 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 but also think about how that works in the strategic group. And as you're saying, weekly ones, making things bold, making it clear, um, and all of those aspects are really important to that. Yeah, I think bring it back to the children as well every time. Um, you know, bring it back to the, that reason why is is because because we want to improve the education of the kids, what you know, or improve the the lives of the kids, everything comes back to the children. Um, but sometimes I think that, get, that does get lost. I think sometimes. 
So let's go back to this idea of balancing because I want to go into this role of when you're I'm thinking as a subject leader, this could be relevant for or if you're in your role, there's middle leader, head of a or key stage two, for example. How can then you effectively manage your time? So you're both fulfilling your teaching, but also your leadership responsibilities as well. Um, some form of time machine would be great. Um, some sort of time turner from Harry Potter or something like that. It's super hard, n- nearly impossible. Um, having a supportive school, I think, is 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 key. Um, having a school that understands that you've got two roles um, and and not expecting a hundred percent in each. Um, I once worked with a, a really good teacher who said that we should be working to eighty five percent. That should be what we aim for. We um, we aim for eighty five percent in us in our um, SATS results and things like that. But we also aim for eighty five percent in in what we give as teachers. We shouldn't be giving 100% in everything because we should be keeping 15% to ourselves um, to either develop ourselves or develop our role. Um, and actually having that a school that understands that balance um, it, it is, is key. Um, I'm really lucky. The school that I'm at now is super supportive. Um, they ensure I've got enough time when I need to. Um, we work with cover supervisor and the teaching assistants to make sure everything's everything's covered in the classroom um and then secondly i think it's it's it sounds strange but it's i think it's actually really important that the the children in your class understand that you've got two roles within the school um it's a discussion that i've had with my class this year is there are some days where i'm not going to be in the classroom there are some mornings where i'm not going to be in the classroom for example because I've got other jobs to do at the school. I'm not just your class teacher. Um, and them understanding that and them knowing that, that some days they're going to have to work with a different member of staff. Um, it's really useful when they understand that because um, they get the best out of their time with other teachers then. Um, they get the best out of their time with me. Um, and I don't have to worry too much about having to step out of the classroom where I need to. I think that's a really key point of worrying about that class, isn't it? A little bit. I think you often feel guilty, but we shouldn't feel guilty because we need to use our role for others. And actually, if you've got a good quality teacher going in, that's actually enhancing that class as well, isn't it? Yeah, we you know we work with specialists. We work with PE specialists and, and uh, music specialists. Um and then I know that the 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 support staff that we have, the couple supervisor, we, we, we've got a really good working relationship together. Um, so that's that's really great to see them working with the kids. And and I don't have to worry that behaviour is going to be out of the window. I don't have to worry that the the quality of their work is going to suddenly shoot down because I've spent a, a morning in a in some sort of curriculum meeting. Um, so yeah, it's it's that relationship with the staff as well as well as the kids. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? 
we're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC covers reports that Labour has dropped plans to end charitable status for private schools. The status exempts some private schools in England and Wales from taxes. The Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, had previously said charitable status for private schools could not be justified. The party said it will still remove other tax breaks if it wins the next general election. There are around 2,500 private schools in England and Wales, and government figures show around half are registered as charities. Having charitable status means the schools cannot operate for profit and are eligible to claim some tax exemptions, including on donations and business rates. Since 2006, private schools have had to demonstrate they are creating public benefit in order to maintain their charitable status. Labour has said it would charge private schools 20% VAT and end business rates relief. It says this could raise an estimated £1.7 billion. A party spokesperson said the money would fund desperately needed teachers and mental health counselling in every secondary school. Last year, the Scottish Government scrapped business rate relief for private schools. The Conservatives have questioned whether tax changes would raise the £1.7 billion as claimed by Labour. The problem of RAC was highlighted again as parents with children at a secondary school in Durham, affected by the potentially unsafe concrete, staged a protest. Parents told schools minister Baroness Barron, who was visiting the school, that there had to be more support for the teachers and pupils and that the school must be rebuilt. The school is using a mix of face-to-face and online teaching after RAC was found shortly before the return to school from the summer break. The multi-academy trust in charge of the school has asked the DfE if it could use centre-assessed grades for GCSE and A-level pupils similar to the way assessment was used during the pandemic. A DfE spokesman said it was working to bring back face-to-face teaching quickly and that the school would be rebuilt. Procurement, design and planning stages would be started before the end of the year. Schools Week reports on MPs' comments that government should create a school absence code specifically for mental health and review the adequacy of health services struggling with soaring waiting lists. The Parliamentary Education Committee has also urged the government to make its daily attendance data collection mandatory as soon as possible. The committee found growing demand for mental health services and special educational needs support, as well as the cost of living pressures and other issues, have compounded problems with attendance. However, Schools Minister Nick Gibbs said changes would add further complications for schools in coding absence, which could damage the accuracy of data. Full details of the committee's recommendations can be found in the article in Schools Week online. 
The Guardian covers news that in America, students at more than 50 high schools across the country are proposing a Green New Deal for schools. They are demanding that their districts teach climate justice, create pathways to green jobs and plan for climate disasters. The campaign is seen as a reaction to right-wing efforts to ban or suppress climate education and activism at school. The national effort would see teach-ins, walkouts and petitions. The New Deal also calls for updated buildings and infrastructure to make schools more climate resilient. Further details can be found on the Guardian website. Finally, the Nuffield Trust has said that student loans in England should be written off for certain health staff once they have completed 10 years of NHS service. It says this is needed to stop a dropout crisis among nurses, midwives and other frontline staff. Ministers have rejected the idea, saying support is already in place and that the current student finance system strikes the right balance between the interests of students and taxpayers as well as highlighting training grants, support for childcare and some expenses. Tuition fees are not charged in Scotland and in Wales, tuition fees are covered if nurses and other frontline staff work for the NHS for two years. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. That leads us really nicely into this next kind of topic and kind of theme I want to do and it's a little bit in some ways but and it's something i've seen quite a lot of establishing that authority now in primary school in particular you can have small one form entry first schools small like um, relatively not up to 30 per class pan primary schools and then we've got schools who are three four um, and in some cases five form entry primary schools that are huge so within school how then do you establish that authority oneself as a leader among your peers whether it's former colleagues like we discussed a little bit earlier um, and it requires a lot of tact and strategy so how do leaders then navigate that challenge of showing your authority without actually saying like this you're going to do this this and this because i say so because i am the leader in this situation yeah so um in my sort of relatively short personal experience. Um, I think this is all down to to walking the walk. Um, I am in the classroom doing these things with the kids. I am modelling that behaviour policy. I am modelling consistency throughout my classroom. Um, I am there doing that. I am not expecting my staff to do anything that I wouldn't be doing myself. Um, And... Yeah, that idea of I need to walk the walk is something that I sort of stick in my head and I, I think it's really, really important. Um, if 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 staff aren't seeing seeing me following the behaviour policy correctly, if staff aren't seeing me following the policies correctly, how can I expect them to, to do the same and and um how can how can I be respected as, as that authority figure if I'm not following those those procedures? So yeah, um yeah, walking the walk most important thing for me let's go back to that idea you just said of policy and it just links very clearly to under mpqh at the moment we've done a lot about behavior um and it's been fascinating because we read a lot of case studies and often you see within these case studies someone in they've started a new behavior policy but someone in slt 
it's not walking the walk as you eloquently put it um and there's there's that there as well so if there's a, someone a colleague you see who is not pulling their weight let's put it that way yeah. what would you do in that situation i think Number one is to, this is when you get to the awkward conversations part and it's, you know, that's when it's awkward for all involved. Um, I think getting a better understanding of, of why they're not pulling their way. Everything goes back to the why. Um, why are they not following those procedures correctly? Is it a lack of understanding? Is it a lack of uh, ability in the classroom? Is it a lack of uh, training in some part? Um, everything comes back to the why and, and working with them on the why um, and working with them on on what we can we can do together as a team because because that's that's really important isn't it? you know we're, we're part of the team and the team needs to be pulling together to do it um, so let's bring it back to that conversation um, is there something that that we as an SLT can be doing to help is it something that um, a member of your department can be doing uh, to help because we're all we're all in it together aren't we we're all we're all in the school together trying to pull together um so yeah getting to the why that's i laugh that we're all in it together wasn't that a high school musical phrase or something or song or something like that you you i i could feel it you know what i wrote that yesterday in a, in a comment as well and i kind of threw it in there and no one has said anything to me yet so i'm just waiting our our line at school is uh, the schools that we work at. Is we're at the we're not at the coal face. We're at the chalk face. We're all at the chalk face together, um, and I and I think the the other staff knowing that we're all at the chalk face together is is vital. We're all we're all in there, do pulling together for the betterment of these children. Um, and yeah, it's just so important. So let's expand that walk in the walk. And I know you alluded to a few things earlier. So what are some of those actionable things that you've done within your time in the first what, few weeks we've been in now? Um, month, isn't it? We've been a month back. But what are some of those actionable bits that you have done and the impact that you've seen to not just establish that authority, but just to make sure you've been seen, you people know your role, um, and you start having that authority um or around you yes yeah like walking around with the yeah yeah with a halo like oh, that's what i'm thinking like tonight um uh, yeah i would look good with a halo you're right um it's um i think one of the key things for, for what i've done is to communicate with staff that i am here um to help i am here for positive i am here for the negatives i am here for everything that you need me to be I am there. Um, I try to make myself as seen as possible. Um, it's really, really useful um, to, to, to sort of get around the school. Um, and I think the kids have been been really good at, at seeing me in the cl- in the classroom. They've really enjoyed seeing me as part of their lessons. Um, and I think that's been part of that leadership role is the kids and the adults together seeing me take on an active role in the school. I'm not hiding away in the in the offices all day. Um, I'm 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 there. So yeah, being there, I think, is, is is one of the biggest things that I've done. Now, one of the things we were talking about before we got onto the show, um, and I know when Adam was joining us, 
originally, we were thinking about this idea of behavior, um, and particularly from the point of view that but if behavior isn't there, you haven't got the conditions for learning. And I know you've worked in some challenging um, schools and found, probably have found that as a key element of it. So let's dive into that element a little bit more. So how can then leaders proactively address that behavior issues and set those expectations for student and staff? And where have you seen it work effectively in schools and where have you seen it not work effectively and your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think I think as as I as I've moved further and further into leadership, for for me the that that sort of behaviour culture in school has been part of um managing partnerships, um and then sort of facilitating those partnerships to, to, to work to their best and be that between class teachers and the children or class teachers and the parents, parents in the school. Um facilitating those partnerships has been has been vital it's 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 getting the best from everybody if 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 parents are working in partnership with the class teacher if they are supportive of decisions that the class teachers make um if 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 we are communicating well enough with the parents about the decision making they make um building that effective working relationship is is key to 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 managing how we expect behavior to look in school if everybody's working together be it the parents or the teachers or the leadership slt if we're all working together as one sort of as unit together then the behavior in my experience follows with it um everyone knows their expectations everyone knows the limits everyone knows what they should be doing um and behavior sort of falls in line i want to say um behind that if that makes sense what if a teacher isn't following that then is it is it what isn't working in as, as, as with the system yeah and isn't working effectively yeah i think i mean it's, it goes back to what i said before it, it goes back to having those conversations as, as, as to why and and for me as a leader it's how i can facilitate that how i can how i can help to negotiate around that if that makes sense if i can mm. what can i do as a leader that makes either you feel more comfortable um or makes the parents feel more approachable what what can i do to 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 make those connections and make those links i think um and actually it's something i quite I quite enjoy actually it's like putting pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together isn't it it's putting the right people in the right places at the right time and it's, it's quite an enjoyable task sometimes so Let's think about the policy then for behavior. What are your, some of your tips in maybe behavior policy or maybe another kind of policy where it involves every single member of staff not falling in line, but you kind of get the lead into my point is that something like that, everyone has to be singing off the same hymn sheet and actually it's going to work and then you're really going to reap the benefit of it what are some of the, how would you then develop that kind of policy and i'm just really thinking about that change management and the idea i wonder involving people or not involving people at the right times as well yeah um i mean i've worked at a, a few schools now and 
I think the best behavior policies I've seen are those that are the the simplest. Um, I think the last school I was at, I think the behavior policy had like two rules. Um, one of them was to just to make the right choices in school. Um, and a behavior policy as simple as that is easy to, for, for anyone to follow. Um, bringing it back down to its simplest form as to um, what are we doing in school? Why are we here? What is our reasoning for being here? And how do we behave while we're here? Um, yeah, simplicity, I think. Um, it's, it's just, it just makes everything easier. It sounds really stupid. Um, but if the, the teachers have a really clear understanding of a policy and the pupils really have this clear understanding of the policy, then, then everyone's going to be working towards it, I think. So yeah, simplicity would be, if I were to sum that up into a word. Yeah. Simplicity and communication. I think the, the, some, two of the themes that we're going to get throughout this and, um, in time. So let's move on to this idea of training and CPD and that aspect of it. Because earlier you alluded to this idea that you've reflected on training you've delivered. It may have not gone to plan and you didn't see the intended impact as the way you thought. So what makes then effective CPD that you would be leading as someone in school? Yeah. I've done a lot of training on this, actually. Um, so you'd be surprised to know that I've messed it up recently. Um, I've done a lot of focusing on it. It's it's one of the big things that I always think about if I'm ever planning a staff meeting or uh, a, a training session at school is is takeaways. I try to to get takeaways in there, not not the food. Um, I try to to get something that they can take away from that meeting, something that they can take away from that training that will that they can put into their classroom that week the next day even um if i'm delivering um a piece of computing training after the t all the time i've done it it's, it's what can they take away and, and try and computing that that week um if it's to do with more recently um the curriculum changes that we made um, uh, on a long-term basis and a medium-term basis it's um how can they take that into the classroom this week and what can they try out in the classroom for me this week um yeah Having sort of that immediate takeaway is is something that I think's I think's really really important. I think it's really useful. How then do you know that from that takeaway and you delivered your training? How do you know that it's actually having an impact within school? And how do you support staff as well um, with those who may not be able to take it up straight away or are struggling with? the theory and you may show examples and do some examples within your training but that disconnect sometimes between a staff meeting and practice in the classroom and seeing that impact there's that's quite a bridge to kind of close and navigate no you're right and I, but I think that's where it comes almost like full circle back to what we were saying before as to that um that weekly walk that I have in school and it's I'm I'm constantly there. The the teachers know I'm constantly there if they need to if they need me or they need support with anything. Um I can get around school really quickly. I can see what's happening in schools. Um I am as approachable as, as possible really. And I th I, th I think, I hope I, I hope anyway, I think all the, the the staff that I work with know that if they're confused about anything at a meeting or didn't quite understand the pedagogy of it um i'm there for that conversation 
Um, and I think that's been really useful this, this year in the, the very, very short time I've been at the, my new school. Brilliant. So how then can you keep up to date with that latest education trends, leadership strategies as well? Because you're a classroom teacher, you're leading, but then you've got to make sure your CPD is make sure you're not going down a rabbit hole of, yeah. let's say, learning styles or the next thing like brain gym or things like that where actually if you're not careful, you could be going down a rabbit hole and bringing everyone along with you as well. Yeah, um, I completed my MPQSL last year, um, which was a brilliant course to be part of. Actually, I, I did really enjoy it. I find it quite hard, quite taxing to fit in during my sort of limited time. But but actually, the the studies that were part of it um, were really useful for what I was doing in the classroom. Um, so that really helped. Um, so, so I would sort of suggest being part of any sort of uh, qualification or scheme similar. Um, are really good and I know there's some really really good um, some, some sort of a, a more wide variety of MPQs available at the moment that's really good um, I tend to I'm a bit of a Twitter fiend um, tend to, to, to read lots and lots of people and I, actually I think what's really important on the, a space like Twitter and on social media is to follow people you don't necessarily agree with as well um, people who have different views about education and people have different opinions because I think otherwise you sort of end up in this sort of bubble of people who sort of consistently think the exact same things as you and you don't get anything anybody challenging you so I try to follow people I, I don't particularly agree with this as much as I do agree with um lovely lovely little podcasts but things like this um stick it on in the car on your way home um yeah just try to keep myself abreast of of what's going on really I think following on from that is then having conversations around that in school. And I know I was talking to um, someone the other day and they brought something to the table and it was it resonated really well with me because I'd been talking about you've got to lay the foundations to, to empower people and let them thrive. And whether that's through um, some projects I'm running at the moment across the trust, and they brought this research and they were talking about the trust dividend and they were saying about the column and the fire. And I was like, okay, that really relates to what I'm saying and what I think. I think, and then I said to them, actually, I think you'll really like this idea of atomic habits because the idea of stacking habits and making sure you find that one thing that will make a massive change to someone, but you stack it with something else they do anyway. And actually that will have the biggest impact. And I think as a leader, you can have all these bright ideas, but if you don't think strategically or talk about them or make sure you're bringing in in your own enough opinion and voices, you're just going to pick up the same first thing, oh, that's a good idea, let's implement it. And so there is that balance between information overload. But also, I think we're yeah. quite reflective as a profession at the moment. No, yeah, I, I can totally see that. I can totally see how sometimes it's, it's, things fall under that sort of, the idea that they're gimmicky, don't they? They they are the latest trend in schools, and I think part of sort of a way that I've always tried to 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 avoid falling into that. Um, my Twitter bio for years always read that I was a real teacher in a real classroom, and it's 
it's been important to me that everything I've ever shared or anything, everything I've ever developed is is something that I've done in the classroom. It's something that I've put on in the classroom. I've I've tried and tested it, and actually, I probably wouldn't go about sharing it in a staff meeting or uh, in the staff room, even if 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 it's not something that I'd given a go myself. Um, yeah, I think that sort of validity behind I've I've given it a go, and I think it's really useful. Um, is is really key if you're thinking about sharing things like that. Yeah, and there's a Peps McQueen book that I've read before. And it's all about expert teaching. And part of his CPT thing is teachers got to get it, but to get it, they've got to see something in action before they can even own it. And sometimes yeah. if you are as a leader, but you're doing it in the classroom as well, you are then bridging that gap and they can see it and they can come in and be open. And one of the things I think quality, and we'll come on to some of the key qualities in a bit about leaders is that openness to experiment, but also openness for other people to come in and have those professional conversations. I I don't know why I did it, and I'm I'm really glad I did. And I didn't think about it at the time. Um, the the knock on consequence itself was that I invited, went to school, and I had the assistant head, the head, um, yeah, the assistant head, deputy head, and six teachers come and watch me in a lesson but I did a bit of CPD before them they watched a lesson and then we literally unpicked it afterwards and actually back in the day would have hated that as a class teacher loads of people coming in to watch me but I took a class that I've never taught before taught them and actually demonstrated something and sometimes walking the walk going back to that phrase you used earlier is really important and putting yourself out saying not saying here I am amazing but let's talk about what I did, why I did it, and what was the impact of it is a really important and skillful and sometimes scary thing to do. I was just going to say, how did you find that sort of that feedback? Did they give you know, what sort of level of feedback did you get? And so, how much did they pick you up? So, in, in that scenario, it was a we were talking about assessment and different assessment strategies that would work within the school. And so, to mitigate a lot of the concerns problems we talked about like we're gonna let's talk about assessment within your school here's some strategies let's focus on these and i was already prepping them and saying in this lesson you're going to see examples of x y and z and i planned out every question and everything quite stringently more than you would in a classroom and yes i was adaptive to those children but i was trying to showcase things that were a point of discussion and Yes, there was, I think, there was one thing in that lesson that I probably didn't dive into enough, and I was picked up on that. But it was actually really good discussion because it wasn't te- thinking about the individual teacher. What it was was thinking about this strategy. Here it is implemented. How did the children react to it? And it wasn't a lesson that would be, um, that you would do every day, but it was a lesson to showcase these examples in a, in a slightly different, nuanced method and it was fascinating because i was teaching the children there were lots of rich conversations going but i was making sure when i was going to these teachers who are watching and talking to the children it's like right did you notice this or oh, i can see those children and a really good point here like i'm going to bring them out point and demonstrate cold calling or demonstrate how we do stick pair, pair share effectively in this or it, it in another lesson you could do this with it so it was 
it was more conversation starters. I think that's probably a good way. Let's see a few of these things and let's have that conversation afterwards. Yeah, I quite like the idea of, of me reflecting on sort of my own teaching in that in that way as well. I think it would be, I think sometimes it would be really useful to have, you know, especially if, uh, if you're working in a, a year group team, maybe having, you know, if you're in a two, four or a three, four, you know, having someone watch you teach, um, but also that idea of you explaining it as you're teaching. Um, I think, yeah, I think they would, they could, they could be really, really useful conversations. So let's talk a little bit about relationships um, within school. And we we have probably touched on this all the way throughout. But what... Yeah. Um, so how can leaders then foster that open communication and trust with the staff, the students, but also parents as well? Yeah, the parents is a... Parents is, is an interesting one. It's... It's often quite hard to get right. Um, it's something that I found um, I've been taking on more and more um, in the last couple of years. And I think I think when I was a, a, a new younger teacher, maybe, I don't think I've ever looked young, but when I was a younger teacher, um, I used to be absolutely terrified of speaking to the parents. It used to to fill me with sort of masses of anxiety. And, and actually, I think that's something that, that I think about now in leadership is how how anxious it used to make me and i try to be supportive with with the stuff that i've got um every opportunity because i know it can be quite um, intense sometimes and your parents want the best for their children and we want the best for the children and sometimes that uh the route that we think to get them there is is different and sometimes you have an awkward conversation with parents um so yeah being there and supportive with the teachers is is really important for me. And also, I think um, having empathy and listening. I think too often we are. I've seen people defensive um, and feel it's quite accusational. And I think seeing it from someone else's perspective, and it goes back to the question I was asking earlier about what do you see as a teacher. Um, and what you wish those kind of perspectives are. But I think, I know with me, with three young kids at the moment, seeing it from a parent's perspective does kind of open your eyes and step him back a little bit. And that that comes with experience. That also comes from having the confidence to step back and listen and decipher all the information you're getting as well. And it is difficult. Um mm. I think I think I found as well it's it's sometimes um parents find it that I think I think parents find it hard to to see um the the behaviors that they see at home are different to the behaviors that they see in school and I know that's true for my children um absolutely it's true for my own children um and it's hard to see that sometimes for parents and it's it's under, it's having that understanding as as to what they see might be different to what we see in school and um yeah understanding that i think is really something i've sort of taken on and thought about a lot more recently brilliant now we've covered an awful lot around leadership but i'm going to ask you two kind of questions um, and just flip it's the same question but flipping it really what is something you wish 
teachers knew about leadership and what they got on with that they may be not aware of? Yeah, um, I'd say that we're like, um, you know, like, uh, what's the saying? Is it like ducks on the water with that? We might look calm and relaxed on the outside, but actually my feet are paddling and kicking away like Billy underneath. Um, I am just as panicked and just as terrified sometimes as as they are. It's, you know, it's, it is stressful and it's really difficult, but we have to sort of maintain this cool, calm and composed exterior, don't we? Um, yeah, I think them understanding that actually is helpful in a way that I'm just as terrified as, you know, if someone comes for a learning walk around my classroom, I'm just as terrified as you are as an ECT as, 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 as I am 14 years in. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I would say to that one. So let's flip it. What's one of those things as a leader that you think they should know more about actually what life as a class teacher is like? Um, I think do you know what stepping back into the classroom one of the things that I found um, I, I don't want to strange maybe it's how the minutes just disappear in the day the minutes just vanish and how to the, the, the difficulty that I am having um fitting everything into our really really tight curriculum um i think sometimes gets forgotten you know oh you need to find 10 minutes here to do this you need to find 20 minutes here to do this every week yeah those 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 10 minutes those 20 minutes don't sound like a lot but when you're trying to fit an entire curriculum to a week actually 10 20 minutes is a is a huge amount of time um and i think that's something that i think gets forgotten sometimes Yes, definitely, definitely. So, one final question. What do you think are some of the... Okay, let's, 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 let's be really precise here to challenge you on a Friday night. What do you think are the top three qualities needed for an effective leader at whatever level within school? Three... I'll do the counting, don't worry, I can do that. <laughs> I was going to say, cho- chocolate in your office is always a really good one, but I'll I'll take that out and I'll leave that aside. Um, communication, as we've said throughout everything. Um, I think every answer I've said to you today has sort of fallen back to com- communication. So yeah, a really, really effective communication. Um, I think credibility, um, be it like we've mentioned before, walking the walk, um, I, I will not expect them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, and then third, you know what? I think this sounds like I'm on some sort of dating channel, but having some sort of sense of humour about everything, I think it's really important. Schools are hilarious places to work some days and and um, enjoying that and and being part of that school day as much as your, as your teachers is really important. So yeah. And I think it's a really good point to end on. I know um, every time I have a conversation with you, I know I, I put little things in there to wind you up and you do the same with me. And I'm quite glad I had a mute button on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but humour 
in education is be is one of those key things is that building that relationship whether it's with the children whether it's with the teachers and whether it's with parents is absolutely paramount to making sure school is effective because it is a community and i think since covid there's always been a little bit of have we lost this community vibe within school and i know in the last year and so we're bringing parents more in with this role of technology as well classroom isn't four walls and just that whole sense of community and uh, communication and that credibility are really three core characteristics of effective leadership i just want to say thank you matt i've really enjoyed our conversation tonight um i hope you've enjoyed it is there any last words of wisdom you would like to share absolutely not i struggle with wisdom at the best of times <laughs> but honestly no thank you i really enjoyed it it's inspiring some really good practical ideas in there and um, the humility in there as well and remember leadership is not just about those titles or roles it's about making a difference one step at a time until next time keep learning keep leading and making a positive impact in the world of education this has been Teachers Talk Radio. So to listen back to Teachers Talk Radio shows, please download the Podbeam app or visit your favourite podcast player and search Teachers Talk Radio. You can also visit ttradio.org forward slash listen back. Follow us on Twitter at ttradioofficial and tweet using the hashtag ttradio. Thank you for listening and thank you, Matt. And until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.